titled this message, No Plodding. Now, I know, you know, just think cool thoughts, okay, because I know we feel like plodding in this weather, or some people do. Shara gets energised, but she's, you know, special. Summer. <laughs> but I was thinking um, this week about how we go through life just often plodding along. And, and sometimes when you're having a bad day, I'll, I'll often people go, how are you going? And I'll go, oh, I'm just plodding along. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, but I was thinking this week, and if you are on my blog, you'll see that I actually blogged this little thought, but I've expanded on it. But uh, I was thinking that really we are made, we're not really made to be plodders. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, God says we're made in his image, and I don't really think God is a plodder. If you think about God, do you think about him as just, you know, does everybody understand what a plodder is? <coughs> Excuse me. A plodder, you know, you just plod, like a big Clydesdale horse. <laughs> and you just kind of plod, 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 and there's no energy, and you hardly lift your feet, and you go through life feeling like you're plodding. Plod, plod, right? But I was thinking about that, that actually we're made in God's image and God isn't a plodder, so he really hasn't designed us, or created us, or wired us up, or given us the DNA of a plodder. And uh, if you turn with me in Isaiah chapter 40, um, it just talks about some attributes of God. And, and when we read the attributes of God and the characteristics of God, it's actually... You know, he's made us in his image, so we, can, we receive some of those, those attributes. You know, it's how big he is and how majestic he is and how awesome he is, and he actually says we're made in his image, and he, he wants us to see ourselves like that, that we're awesome. And uh, in chapter 40, verse 21, it says, Have you not known? Have you not heard? Has it not been told for you from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? It is he who sits above the circle of the earth, and we're like grasshoppers. It's like he's saying, I'm so big and majestic and mighty. He says he stretches out the heavens like a curtain and spreads them like the tent to dwell in. He brings the princes to nothing. He makes the judges of the earth useless. I compared to God how big he is. And yet, he's, and on the other hand, he says we're made in his image. But he wants us to understand how big he is and that we're hidden in him and we're part of him. And he says, to whom then will you liken me? Or to whom shall I be equal, says the Holy One. Lift up your eyes on high and see who has created these things, who brings out their hosts by number. He's talking about the stars. And calls them all by name. By the greatness of his might and the strength of his power, not one is missing. This is the God who is no way you can think that he is a plotter. He is, he is everything. He is everywhere. He is the beginning from the end. He is love and mercy and righteousness he is sovereign and he is holy. And he has made us in his image. So I got a little bit of a like, we really shouldn't say we're just plodding along or we're just surviving or I'm just existing. And we do, don't we? Sometimes we don't feel like, yes! And yet God says, you know, I have made the heavens. I have made the earth. I count the stars one by one by name. And, and if he can do that, he can do that with us. And he sees us and he says, you are made in my image. I made man in my image. Majestic and fantastic and awesome. And the Bible says you are awesomely and wonderfully made. Fearfully made. Yeah? And it says, not that we are plotters, it says we're made in his image and we're meant to soar and to run and leap over heights. 
Psalm 18 verse 33 says, For who is God except the Lord, and who is a rock except our God? God is my strength and power, and he makes my way perfect. I like that. When we're worried about where we're going to go or we're making the right choices, we can go back to God's word and say, you know, Lord, you said that you're my rock and you give me strength and power and you make my way perfect. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer and he sets me on high places. He teaches my hands to make war so that my arms can bend a bow of bronze. Another translation says he gives me the agility of a deer. He enables me to negotiate the rugged terrain. So no matter how hard, how high, how rugged it looks, you, may, you have to think about those deer that get up and they get up on the heights and they've got those little feet that just can hold on and, they, and you see them in the movies and they get up onto these mountaintops and then there's little deer up there. But that's what it's talking about. He makes our feet, he makes our life. He says if you are hidden in him and, and connected in him, you have the agility to be able to stand on the rugged heights because he hasn't made us to plod about in the mud. And I understand mud. I come from a place where there's plenty of it. And Matt, you've been where there's mud. Was there mud in Tassie? No, not that much. No, it's Southland. I come from Southland and there's mud. Big suction stuff that gets stuck on your boots. You know, and, and I just go, I understand that. It's like he didn't make us to plod around in the mud of life. He made us to stand on the heights like the deer and be sure-footed and, footed and have the agility to be able to, you know, go through the rugged terrain of life. Because Jesus didn't promise that it would be all nice and smooth. And, but he said, but I will make a way for you. And I will give you the ability and the agility to be able to walk through that rugged terrain. He says that he will make us soar on wings like eagles and run and not grow weary or faint, Isaiah says. Just read the Bible. It gives you just a big... You know? That's why because it's like God's word to us. Because there's so much out there that it says the opposite. Oh, you're going to plod through life. Oh, I'm just coping. Oh, there's people losing their jobs. Oh, this is happening. How are we going to do this? And, you know, and God says, no, I've created and designed you, if you're connected to me, to soar on wings like eagles, to stand on the heights, to not fluff around at the bottom, but to stand on the heights. And that's what he's created us to be, that we would have the highest life. I often see myself, I'll, I'll picture myself standing on top of a mountain hot top. And when you stand on top of the mountaintop, you see the rest of your stuff down below and it's like you get perspective. It's easy to get bogged down in the mud. But when you get up onto the heights and you're able to have the feet like a deer who can you know, have the agility to stand on the height and get up there, it gives you perspective and you get this God consciousness that you are meant to be, meant to be up there. You're meant to soar. We're actually designed to soar on wings like eagles. Now, I was, talking, I was thinking about running and about how, you know, there's lots of analogies and if you don't relate to running, then you can relate to soaring. If you don't relate to soaring, then you can relate to the heights. But I was thinking about running this week and that God has designed us to run and when he gives us a plan and purpose, he doesn't want us to plod. He wants us to run the race. And I was thinking about what if David, when he approached the giant Goliath, had walked up, just plodded up with his little thing, And he plotted up to fight him instead of running at him into battle. The Bible actually says in 1 Samuel 17, it says that as Goliath moved closer to attack, David quickly ran out to meet him. Isn't that amazing? There's this little guy, you know, he's a young man, not that old, just a teenager. And here's this giant Goliath, said that Goliath moved closer to attack. And David just ran quickly out to meet him. He didn't stand back. He didn't plod like, 
No, he got out and he ran. And that sling didn't work as well without motion. So he got quicker motion when he was running. Imagine if he had walked. Imagine if he had plotted. I think the fact that David ran at Goliath was part of his success. Because he made a decision that he was going to fight, it, fight him and he ran to achieve it. David knew that the battle was the Lord's and he knew that even youths ran out of strength, but God gives power and strength. And he knew how to run and he knew how to fight in God's power and strength because he'd been taught in the smaller things. He'd been taught in the smaller things of his life when he had to fight the lion and the fear. Did I get it right? No, I didn't get it right. Anyway, that grizzly thing. You know, he, he had practiced how to fight and God does that for us. <laughs> I did it wrong again. <laughs> Uh, whatever. <laughs> Beer. Beer. Whatever, I'm not getting there. But he had practiced those, those things so he knew how to fight. And so when God said, go out and fight, and he put this, you know, God puts this com- compulsion in us to run. He puts this compulsion in us to stand on the heights. And we must go with that. Because otherwise, you just, you know, if David had stood there and started to look around at his brother standing there being scared, if he'd looked too much at the giant and he'd start to second guess himself, but he felt the power of God in him. He knew that he had been able to fight the smaller battles and God said this, and he knew that the battle was God's and so he ran at it. If he had started to think too much about all the surroundings and all the, all the shouting in his ears of all his brothers and the other soldiers, he would not have ran. But he grabbed hold of what God had for him and he ran at that battle. And that is why he's a known. He's the one that brought down Goliath. God wants us to be like that. You know, the shepherds were the first to see Jesus. You know, the angels, they had this God encounter. There's an angel appeared and then the whole sky. Imagine that being out there. You're out there looking after your sheep. And they were probably, you know, they're shepherds, you know, they go along merrily. They can't be yahooing or stuff. They have to keep quiet. But they're out there with the sheep. And God chose them to be part of the God story. He chose them to be the first people to share the good news. They're actually the first, some of the first people to share the good news after Jesus came to earth. And here they were, and, and the angels appeared and said, you know, it's good news has come, it's done, you know, the king has been born. And do you think they just plodded down to, down to see Jesus in the manger? Have a think about it. Have a think about it. No, the Bible actually says they made haste to find the place where Jesus was after their encounter with the angels. And they ran because they knew what was before them. They knew that the Messiah had come. They knew what was before him, and so they ran to him. And they were the first to spread the good news. They had the privilege. Now, if they had plotted, they would have missed it. But they ran knowing what was before them. And, you know, we're like those shepherds. We've experienced God, all of us, in different ways in this room, has experienced God. God has encountered us. And he says, we have seen Jesus. But will we make haste, just like the shepherds, especially this Christmas, will we take every opportunity to tell what we've seen and heard? Because if the shepherds hadn't told everybody, you know, that was an important part of the God story. And God chose them and God chooses us. Will we be the same and make haste and go, you know what, I'm going to tell somebody. Christmas is our time of the year. You know, it's the church's time of the year. And too often, we're just over everybody else, running around the shops, getting too busy, stressing out, family stuff happens. And, we, and, and yet, the shepherds left all that. They left their sheep. And they went, you know what? Something awesome has happened. Let's make haste and go and see and then tell everybody else about it. 
And this time of the year, I want to encourage us to make haste, to make every opportunity and run to tell people. Run to tell people what you've seen and heard because we've all had God encounters of some kind in this room. We've all had that, just like the shepherds. Another thing about running, as I thought about Peter walking on the water, in Matthew 14 it talks about that. And what if when Jesus had called him to come to me, and I'm stepping out of the boat, Peter hadn't just started walking on the water, but he had ran to Jesus. Perhaps if he had done that, he would have forgotten all about the wind and the waves and the noise all around him and the scary stuff blowing all around him. And if he had just ran to Jesus, his goal, he would be known as Peter who ran on the water and didn't sink rather than Peter who took a few steps, looked around and got scared and sank and Jesus says, oh, you're a little faith. If he had ran, just like David ran at Goliath because he knew that God had gone before him. You know, Jesus had gone before Peter and he stepped out of the boat and, got, and Jesus was like, come on, you have great faith, made in the image of God, run at me. And yet Peter took little tentative seats. And I mean, he's awesome that he jumped out of the boat. I'm not having a go at Peter, but imagine if he had ran. Imagine if he had ran. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24, do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? And then Hebrews 12 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. There's actually quite a lot of mentioning about running. About running the race, about running, and you know, running the course, and about making haste, about making every opportunity. There's actually quite a lot. Once you start to look at it, and I was looking going, oh, look at that. We're actually supposed to be runners. Yeah, and sometimes I get that inside me. It's like this, you know, running, running, running thing. And sometimes when you see the Holy Spirit move in a meeting, you'll see people just get out of their seat and run around and around and around the building. And it's because it's like the stirring that God wants us to run. He wants us to soar. He wants us to reach the height. And he, doesn't, he has not made us to plod. He wants us to run the race. To be runners and not plotters, to be fighters and not victims, to be overcomers instead of the overcome. We have to know why we are running, who we are fighting and how we overcome though. But God has made us to run. He has made us to be able to fight. He's made us to be over, overcome. Now David knew that the battle was the Lord and he practiced the battle in smaller ways. He knew who his enemy was. He could see. When he was out in the field, he could see the animals that were trying to take his sheep. When he was out on the battlefield, he could see it was Goliath, but he also knew that God was with him, that God had chosen him for bigger things. So he wasn't going to be taken out by that lion. And he knew that he wasn't going to be taken out by Goliath because he knew that God had a plan and a purpose and a way for him and that he had made his way perfect. And God says the same to us, I know the plans I have for you, not to harm you, to prosper you. So when we look at the battle lines, when we look at our life, we know that God has perfected our steps and we don't have to be afraid and we can run at the battle. Because all of us have battles, don't they? Don't we all have battles of some sort? But God says that I have gone before you. I am behind you and I am before you. I am all around you. He has gone before you so you can run at things. You don't have to plod. You don't have to be fearful. You don't have to be feeble. God has made you to run. 
Paul knew. You know, and when David did that, when he stood there, he knew what he was designed to do, and he simply ran towards God's plan for his life. Now he stood there and he looked at Goliath and he had the sling in his hand and he just went, I'm going to run at this dude. I'm going to take him down. He, didn't, he wasn't hesitant. You know, and, some, and it says that the violence, that the kingdom of, will be taken by violence. That's not meaning we're getting out our physical swords and cutting feet, you know, but it's saying that we can't be timid, that we can't be fearful. God has not put the DNA of a fearful, plebby Christian inside of you. You're the child of the Most High God with resurrection power flowing in every part of your veins. And if you get hold of that, you'll look at the battle and you go, I'm going to run at this because God has gone before me. And you speak out that word that God has a plan and a purpose and he will perfect my steps, that he orders the steps of the righteous. And as we start to do that and roll over the care of the battle to him, he says, I don't have to be afraid, David says, because this battle is God's. We can be the same. We don't have to be afraid of next year and the things that are coming. We don't have to be afraid of the Christmas family lunch. We don't have to be afraid of anything like that, you know, because God has gone before us and he has trained our hands for war. Yeah? Just get excited. Paul knew that the race that God had set before him when he said we are all runners and to run our race focused on the prize. Our prize is Jesus and the plan and purpose that he has for each one of our lives. He says, all of your days I've written down in my book. He says, I made you. I, I, and he says, he says, I will perfect the plan I have for you. He created each one of us with a plan and a purpose. And he put us together for a purpose as well. Isaiah 40, 29 to 31 says that even youths go weary and faint, but those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. And not only says that, but it says that God gives power to the faint and to those who have no might, He increases strength. When we're feeling faint, when we're feeling feeble, he says, and we're feeling tired, even young people get tired, he says that he will renew our strength. He says that he'll give power to us. And you're actually bigger on the inside. We want to be bigger on the inside, that our spiritual self is so much bigger, so much bigger than our physical body. I'm a giant on the inside. I get quite excited sometimes. You know, I'm just like, whoa, you know? And that's how God has created us. We're not these little plebby little things on a rock. You're giants on the inside. Your spirit is made with this huge capacity for bigness. And we get it sometimes, don't we? You get it sometimes that you've got this capacity for bigness and greatness and soaring on the heights and going into the battle and, yes! And then we have the world come at us. And we've got to remind ourselves that God has gone before us. And to speak the word that, God, I'm going to just give this care over to you, that you have gone before me, that you have made me a conqueror, that I am an overcomer. And when we start to do that, that's our faith activating and our expectation that God is going to do something. You know, David, he spoke out and said, I'm not afraid. This battle is the Lord's. And actually, he connected his faith with the power and strength of God so that God got involved in that battle. And that's what we need to do too. That we speak out the word and say, God, you're in this. You've gone before me. This battle is yours. And as soon as we start to do that, his, all of heaven pays attention and his strength and his power and ability connects with us. So it's not us standing there handling stuff. It's like a giant God on the inside of us. Giant God on the inside of us. 
You know, we, we sometimes think, I haven't got enough faith. We haven't got enough faith. But have you ever thought that you actually have God faith on the inside of you? And his faith is awesome. And when it talks about it only takes the faith of a mustard seed, it's not saying that our faith is little. It's saying that that capacity of God inside of you is God kind of faith. And it only takes a little bit for him to do anything. I was thinking we were talking this morning and Philip said, what what was the temperature at? It was 16 degrees at 6 o'clock. And by 7 o'clock it was meant to be 27 it was like, if he can increase the temperature, bang, in an hour that much, don't I think that he can just, like, make things happen? Even if it's double or triple, that if he can do that in the physical realm, think how much more he can do in the spiritual realm. Because he's God. And he says, you've got God kind of faith, my kind of faith on the inside of you. So it's not a little faith. It's a big, awesome, butt-kicking, devil-blasting mountain-moving faith on the inside of us. So that, and that's why he says nothing is impossible for you. And that's why he said to Peter, you have little faith. Don't you know who's gone before you? Don't you know who's standing in front of you? You could have run and not sunk. And that's what he's saying to us this morning. We're made for it. We're made to run, we're made to climb on the heights and we're made to soar and we're made to do it well and strong and with endurance to the finish. We are actually made for it. We are given the capacity to be spiritual marathon runners. Because it's not how you start the race that matters. It's great when we get out there and start our Christian walk great, but it's how we finish. And God says you have the capacity because you have my faith inside of you, my God dose of faith, to be able to run the race and run it well and to be giant slayers and soar and stand on the heights. You know what? We've got that inside of us. To run. So no plodding. We're not plodders. We're runners and soarers and jumpers and yahooers. Yeah? That's how God made us. And you know what? There's even a great cloud of witnesses that are standing in heaven going, come on! You know when you stand and you're, you've been at a race and you're going, come on, you can see the runners coming and you spot your friend or your brother or your sister. And you go, come on, run, come on, you're nearly there. Well, there's a great cloud of witnesses in heaven going, come on, Chesley. He's yelling and yahooing and a whole host going, come on, run that race, don't you? The prize is before you and God has gone before you and you can do it. And when we get up onto the heights, sometimes in the spirit realm, you get a perspective of just how big it is and that those little things that can so easily entangle us and trip us up and the sins and the offence that it really doesn't matter because we're up on the heights and those are little consequence down there and Philip and I have been seeking God for his plan and strategy for next year and uh, it's, it's, it's an exciting thing but it's like you've got, you've got to tap into that God faith kind of place and go you know what I'm not a little plebe I'm a giant I'm a giant slayer I'm a Sora, I'm a kick devil butter, yeah? It's not very good English. <laughs> but we've actually been honing our fighting skills and strengthening our muscles in preparation for next year. So we've been kind of, you know, kind of spending some time with God and, and talking to some people. We've um, connected with some guys in America that are church planners. They plant a new church every four days and they have a 94% success rate. You, when you look at a church plant, you look not at the first year, the first month, 
you look at five years on, you know, and so they're looking and, and, and so we've like connected, we spent an hour and a half on Friday night, pretty late, I think it was 11 o'clock or something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but we talked and it's like, we're like honing our muscles because God, God is, is wanting to do something. And uh, we're called to run and to stand and to, and to fight. And um, we don't believe we're meant to just sit around until a building is built and uh, waiting for it to be completed. But that we're, we're, we're called to pull harder together, to stretch wide our tent pegs and to run the race that God has. So get ready. Flex your muscles. Start breathing deeply. Oil yourself up. Yeah, you know, the runners used to oil themselves up to, to help them handle the heat. And I think it's no, no coincidence because the Holy Spirit is our oil. So get in that oil. Oil yourself up in him. Get ready. Increase your capacity for God things. It's there already. We have great capacity for what God has called us each to do. Just breathe and let it. You know, it's like a balloon. The balloon always has capacity to be, to be blown up, doesn't it? It just needs some wind in it. Let the Holy Spirit be our wind to blow us up, make our bigger capacity. This coming year, we're going to soar. Now, we've been soaring along, but I don't want us to be just, you know, I want us to soar and run the race that God has set before us. I just want to finish by reading you Isaiah 35. And encourage you if you're feeling a little bit uh, about the year, a bit tired, a bit exhausted, that this is what the Lord says. Isaiah 35, verse 3, and it says, Strengthen the weak hands and make firm the feeble knees. Say to those who are fearful-hearted, Be strong and do not fear. Behold, your God will come with vengeance, with the recompense of God, and he will come and save you. And verse 5 says, Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, and the ears of the deaf shall be unstopped. Then the lame shall leap like a deer, and the tongue of the dumb sing. For waters shall burst forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. The parched ground shall become a pool and the thirsty land springs of water. And he shall, a highway shall be there and a road and it shall be called the highway of holiness. That's what God wants for us. And if you're feeling like, I'm feeling a little bit like that deflated balloon, to know that God says, strengthen the weak hands. And he says when you come to him, and just let him blow his life, blow his strength. You know, and let him just get you, get you the capacity to grow on the inside of you. And it comes, you know, the wind of the Holy, the Holy Spirit's talked about as a wind, he's talked about as oil, and all those is because he knows what we need. If you're running, then you need to be oiled up. If you're feeling deflated, then you need him to blow some wind and, you know, and give you strength. And he says that he will do that. So I encourage if you're feeling like, oh, Am I up to the task? Yes, you are. Because you have God faith inside of you. And just know that God is before us and he's before you. Keep fo- focused on Jesus and not the wind and the waves of the, of the noise of life around us. And keep our hope in the Lord. And when t- we're feeling faint and weary, turn our face towards him, remembering that he promises to increase our strength and power. Amen? We're going to run. Let's run as a mob. <laughs> Scare the devil. <laughs> Let's pray. Lord, I just thank you that you are such an awesome God. I thank you for your word and the power that is in it. Lord, and I pray that it would just settle in our hearts and minds this morning. 
Lord, that it would be a fruit of us and it would just wash away all the worries and the tiredness and concerns of our year, of our week, Lord, that we would know that we are designed to run and to soar and to be on the heights, Lord. Lord, I pray for each person here and any that are feeling tired or weary, Lord, that you would blow your spirit through them, that you would strengthen them, that you would bring us together closer as a church, Lord. Lord, there has been hard things this year that you would wash us clean and strengthen us with your word and with your love. But I pray that word would settle, that we are meant to run and stand on the heights. For each one, I pray that in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.